from brothers into strangers once again. Welcome back. We saw the whole world. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. This is the new Blink-182. We'll talk more about this later on our non-sports segment. Michael Phillips played one of the songs, The Anthem 3. I thought that was fantastic. The Junks previewed this and another one earlier today. So uh, I'm really excited about the Blink-182 album. It brings me back to when I was a kid. But it is 1 p.m. here on AWOD Radio, which means we open up the phone lines. All you diehard Redskins fans, Skins fans, Commanders fans, Washington football team fans... D.C. Football Club fans, whatever you want to call the team, this is your chance to be the quarterback, the GM of this segment. It's time for the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for some- The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. All right, the 1-5 New York Giants will most likely be without quarterback Daniel Jones as they host the 3-3 three three Washington Commanders at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey on Sunday afternoon. Opening the week, the Giants were listed as 1.5 home underdogs. And it's gotten worse from there as of right now. It's New York plus three. Now, here's what the experts and the insiders around the league had to say. Dan Graziano of ESPN is picking the Giants to win this game. Mike Clay of ESPN has the Commanders. Seth Wickersham of ESPN has the Giants. Nate Davis of USA Today has the Giants. And both the guys at Sporting News picked the Giants as well. Well, good thing we love the folks at CBS Sports. Pete Prisco, John Breach, Jordan Dejani, all picking the Washington Commanders, Lorenzo Reyes as well, picking Washington with a final score of 17-7. All of these final scores are under 25. All right, most people are expecting this game to be a medium to low scoring game, probably somewhere in the in the, the teens. Maybe one team gets to 20 or 24 points. Uh, but look, you got to look back at the last two times these teams faced off against each other. It was a defensive battle. What has been the only bright spot for the Giants this season has been the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Recently, a really good game against Buffalo, holding Josh Allen. Didn't have a touchdown pass until the fourth quarter as they would go on to win 14-9. But Tyrod Taylor gives the Giants the own ability to maybe make a play happen in scramble mode, right? He's not as good of a runner as Daniel Jones, and he hasn't done it as often, but he can still be slippery in the backfield. I think this game comes down to which of the defensive lines dominate, right? Is it going to be Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau getting after the Washington Commanders, getting past Charles Leno, Cornelius Lucas, Nick Gates, or is it going to be Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and the two big boys, the Grizzly Bears, in the middle John Allen and Deron Payne that wreak havoc on Tyrod Taylor. So let's get to AWOD's keys to victory on a Sunday afternoon game from MetLife Stadium. This has been a tough place for the Commanders to get a win in the past. So key number one is going to be get off to a hot start. I've done this key several times this season. Key number one is to be leading after the first quarter. 
leading after the first quarter, all right? This season, the Commanders have been playing from behind, and they've been outscored in the first half time after time after time, all right? Last week against the Falcons, they changed the script a little bit, right? Had a solid drive to start the game, then let the Falcons go right down the field. I want the Commanders to play with the lead once again. I think Eric Bieniemy's play calling will be much better with the whole week of preparation, knowing there's a chance he could be playing with the lead. I think you'll see some more creative running games, uh, running attack here from Washington, getting Curtis Samuel involved in the running game, Antonio Gibson more involved, and letting Brian Robinson get it not just up the gut, but when he can take it around the corner and use his speed and athleticism, and man, is this guy good in open space, as you saw on the screen pass last week. When he has the ability to just run guys over like he's a bowling ball and they're bowling pins, he will do that. So key number one is have a first quarter lead. Key number two. If you want to chime in, 833-804-0910. I'm going to stick with the key that worked last week for Washington. All right, we came back here on Monday on a victory Monday, and we said, ding, ding, ding. They got all three of the keys to victory. Ding, ding, ding. Well, key number one, have a good first quarter. Key number two, we'll go back to the well of last week. How do you win on the road in the NFL? Got to have an ace up your sleeve. Your number one wide receiver has to have a good game. Target Terry McLaurin. McLaurin, over 75 yards receiving is key number two for the Washington Commanders. Key number three. I think you have to look at the defensive side of the ball. All right? Can't have the explosive plays happen like Kyle Pitts had explosive plays last week. Uh, Drake London had 125 yards, a ton of explosive plays. Well, how do you limit the explosive plays? You get to the quarterback with the quickness. So I'm going to say key number three is I need the Washington Commanders to have four sacks. You have four four first-round draft picks on the defensive line. Deron Payne, John Allen, Montez Sweat, Chase Young. You also have John Ridgeway who can come in and make a play. You have... Um, what's his name? Casey Tuhill that can come in. He had two sacks last week. Four sacks from the defensive line. I don't think that's too much to ask when this Giants offensive line has not been good. Uh, Daniel Jones is second in the NFL in sacks taken only behind Sam Howell. And like I said, it's going to come down to which offensive line can protect their quarterback better from these really good pass rushers. So key number one, have a first quarter lead. Key number two, over 70 Five yards receiving for Terry McLaurin. Key number three, four sacks for the Washington Commanders defense. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. So I'm hoping the Commanders will get a, pu- a ton of sacks. But can they protect quarterback one Sam Howell? He was on the Hey Adams show with Kay Adams earlier this week. And she asked him, plain and simple, Well, I'll let you listen to her question, but basically she wanted to know, why are you taking too many sacks? Nobody wants to see that. Let's roll the tape. You're on pace for 96 sacks. Nobody wants to see that. Can I have your offensive lineman's phone number? Because I'm a little, I think I can fix it. I think I can talk to him. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like that, that's the worst part about sacks is like it's, it it looks like it's just on the O-line. But I think at the end of the day, I'm the one who has the ball in my hand and I'm the one who has the ability to, throw the ball before I get hit. Um, and that's the reality of it. And I think 
you know, a lot of those sacks that we've had so far have been opportunities where I could have gotten rid of the football. Um, and so it's just an area where I've, I'm just contri- trying to continue to grow and contri- trying to you know, continue to find ways to either find a short incompletion or, you know, throw it away. Um, one, of the, one of those two things. And I think it's just a part of my game where I know I can improve. Um, so it's, gonna, it's been kind of fun to come, come in each and every day and try to learn from those things and, and try to get better. Um, but, you know, those guys up front have done a heck of a job. And I think when you kind of look at numbers as far as how those guys are protecting across the league, they're, they're fine. They're doing a good job. And the sack numbers are higher than what they should be. And I think that's, a, that's because I need to do a better job of helping those guys out. Uh, but no, I love those guys, and they they fight and give it all, give it their all every single play. I just got to do my part. Stop listen to him. He sounds like a quarterback one, right? He sounds like a QB that that's miles ahead of where he should be after only having seven NFL starts. He understands that, right? He understands that there's a problem. There's a sack problem. He also just said he understands the solution to the problem, right? He's got to throw the ball away. He's got to get rid of the ball before he gets hit. I think he's definitely going to improve. Sacks are not turnovers. I feel like we have to scream this every week. Sacks are not turnovers. Sacks are not turnovers. This is a very correctable issue for Sam Howell. All right? He wants to make the big play happen. He wants to hit the home run ball. I've already said from watching the film, my, my Howell eval, every week he has eyes downfield when he has guys that he could dump it off to. All right? This is a very correctable issue. All right? The problem was is they didn't try to correct it in college. At UNC, they just said, hey, hang around in the backfield, and you know what? You're taking a ton of sacks, but you're also running for almost 1,000 yards, right? We love that. Well, in the NFL, the pass rushers are too quick. He doesn't have all the time in the backfield. It's a correctable problem, and I think he will improve. Sacks are not turnovers. They're also not drive killers when you've got a good uh, a good arm like Sam Howell. He can convert a second and 17. We've seen him do that this season already. Another thing that would help him get rid of the ball quicker is if he had more trust in his wide receivers. I'm looking at Deami Brown and Jahan Dotson specifically. When you get targeted, you've got to make the catch. As simple as that. When it hits your hands in the NFL, you're paid to make the catch. Hit your hand, you make the catch. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. I know you'll be at my show. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. It feels like every week I say this where... Oh, it's a must-win game for the Commanders, right? Week one, must-win against the Arizona Cardinals. Got it done. Give us a ding. Week two, must-win game against the Denver Broncos. Got it done. Give us a ding, right? Week three, wasn't a must-win. It's Buffalo. We lose. Then we lose to the Eagles. Then I said, must-win against the Chicago Bears. And we blew it. And we blew it. But you know what? The next must-win game on the schedule was the Atlanta Falcons, and they got the win. I'm going to say this is another must-win game. It's must-win if you believe that this franchise is ready to get into the postseason. If you think that the Commanders can make it into the playoffs, they've got to handle business against the Giants. Last year, the Giants are the reason we didn't make it into the playoffs because we tied them on the road, and then they beat our butts at home. So is that five must-wins out of seven? That's five must-wins <laughs> out, out of seven. seven. Games. Yes. And the team is three and three. All right. We're five. And that's another why, reason why this is a must win game. In the NFL, it's a struggle week by week to stay above 500. It is so important to be above 500 in this league. All right. And so when you have an opportunity, a winnable game, yes, it's on the road and in a tough place, 
at MetLife Stadium, but it's a winnable game. Next week's the Eagles. That's not going to be a must win. That's going to be a please don't let our butts get whooped, all right, against Philly. But because every year Philly has one close game against Washington that sometimes they can win and one game where they blow us out. But it's a must-win game against the Giants to get to 4-3, and three, then maybe lose to the Eagles, and you're still at 500. You cannot afford to be eight weeks into the season and be 3-5. and five. That can't work. That can't happen for my Washington Commanders. If you want to chime in, what are your keys to victory? 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. This is the Commander's Corner. All right, our friends at Rigo's Rag put together a list of four commanders who could be on the hot seat entering Week 7 at the New York Giants. They say the pressure is on to perform for Sadiq Charles. After a decent start to the season, the interior offensive lineman, Charles, has regressed slightly in recent weeks. Now, I will say that that makes sense because we've got Ricky Stromberg and Braden Daniels waiting, a third and a fourth round draft pick. I want to eventually see them get some game action for the Commanders. Um, the offensive line has not been good this year. I don't know if I would point to Sadiq Charles as the biggest issue. Maybe more Andrew Wiley. Uh, but uh, he just has not been what they thought he would be. Commanders wide receiver Jahan Dotson. Pressure on him to perform. I, I do agree with them there. Look, I've kind of just said, hey, Jahan Dotson's fine. But Curtis Samuel is a playmaker. He's got speed to have a breakaway touchdown. He's got the cutting to make a guy miss. He's done that already. He's got really good hands. I thought Dotson has good, had good hands. He hasn't caught the ball well this year, including a couple of bad third down drops. And Curtis Samuel, you can hand it to him. So really, he's the more dynamic playmaker. And I think Eric Bieniemy has just said, hey, in my offense, we're going to target Samuel more than Jahan Dotson. And I'm fine with that. Uh, they said Emmanuel Forbes, the rookie cornerback. I would say there's pressure on him to perform if he even has a chance to perform. Last week, I was pissed off that the defense gave him zero snaps. This is your first-round draft pick, and yes, he struggled. He's also made a play. He's also had an interception this year, right, and a, a key pass breakup this year. I'm not ready to give up on him, and I think they destroyed his confidence by benching him one game. I understand the benching. Right? He was not good against DJ Moore. Well, maybe just don't line him up against DJ Moore anymore. They said, nope, we're going to bench him in favor of Danny Johnson. All right? I said, I'm fine with that. It's the end of the Bears game. You're down big. All right? The next week, I expected them to work him into some packages on second and long, maybe. Right? Probably not going to use him on third down. You need a key stop and maybe not on first down. But you have to find a way on a nickel package or something to get him onto the field, to get him some confidence. All right. Instead, they ruined his confidence by playing him zero snaps. So the pressure's not on Emmanuel Forbes now. It's on Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera to show us why you drafted him. You have to instill the confidence back into Emmanuel Forbes. I want him out on the field this Sunday against the Giants. Andrew Wiley on the list here of four guys that need to perform. And look, I totally agree. He has not been good enough. They say in fairness to... Andrew Wiley's performances have improved slightly over the last few weeks following a rough opening to the campaign. The commanders are giving up way too many sacks and hits on the quarterback, but it's also down to Sam Howell holding on to the ball too long. Uh, I would personally blame Andrew Wiley for at least four sacks this season. 
I absolutely agree with them. He does have pressure on him to perform, uh, especially with the way, uh, what was it, Cornelius Lucas played last week in uh, in Phil for the left tackle Charles Leno. He was good enough that maybe you could swing him over to the right side. So it's Commanders against the Giants this Sunday if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. Let's take a listen to the NFL Network as they had Brian Robinson, bulletproof, B-Rob on the show talking about the newfound energy in this fan base thanks to the devil himself, Dan Snyder, selling the franchise once and for all. Well, you know, honestly, you can feel it in the air, man. It's it's totally different. Uh, You know, the fans in tune, you know, they're they're loving it. Uh, You know, everyone in the building, you know, has, you know, new sense of urgency about just, you know, wanting to do their job, I guess, you know, uh, you know, everybody, you know, everybody just seemed to, you know, have been affected by, you know, what, you know, what has went on and uh, in a positive way. And um, I think, you know, that that can really help us, you know, for what we're trying to build for the future. Yeah, you can see the new energy around that team this season. And uh, Brian, this week you guys go against the Giants. Last year, that game ended in a tie. You'll be at MetLife. You were a rookie last year. Now you're in year two. Talk about the progression for yourself and just give us an outlook going into this game. Uh, well, you know, I, I got a chance to play against them last year, uh, twice actually. And, um, you know, I kind of know, you know, how they play and, you know, how they're going to, you know, come attack me. So uh, I guess with that experience, you know, I'll be, you know, ready to, you know, go up, go up against them again, you know, in my second year, you know, more experienced and, you know, more, you know, ready to attack, you know, just, just go up against them and, you know, pull off a win. And I didn't, didn't get to pull off a win against them last year. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that this year. Finally, no off-the-field issues, right? And you're seeing it. There's a different energy in the locker room. Now, there's no New York Post article, no Washington Times article, no Washington Post article destroying this franchise that we all love. And I mean, it's that simple. No Bruce Allen, no Dan Snyder, just like that. The Commanders are winning off the field, and they're 500 on the field with a chance to go over 500 this Sunday against the New York Giants. Brian Robinson Jr. is going to need to have a big game, but I don't know if it's going to be as big of a game on the rushing attack as much as it is with the, the passing attack. Throwing to Brian Robinson Jr. has been a weapon this year. He's been unbelievable on screen passes. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think he's probably top three in the NFL in yards average on screen passes, including that big one for 28 yards against the Atlanta Falcons in which he just ran over two different defenders. I watched that replay over and over again because it just made me smile watching it. Terry McLaurin had outside leverage on the cornerback that he was blocking, and he kind of just pushed him to the inside and then watched as Brian Robinson Jr. ran him over like it was a Mack truck uh, just hitting a cone. It was so unbelievable to watch. He could have danced around him. He could have gone untouched into the end zone. Brian Robinson Jr. lives off of contact. He fights for every yard. He wants to have this helmet on helmet, shoulder pad on shoulder pad, old school kind of bruiser style of a football attack, and I love it. He's going to be a big part of the commander's hopeful victory against the New York Giants. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. 
I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show. It's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. We will still go behind B enemy lines, find out what the reporters for the New York Giants think of the commander's chances, how that Giants defense is going to be able to stop Eric Bieniemy's high-powered offense as we go behind Bieniemy lines. Benjamin Brown will join us at 2 p.m. to go through the rest of the NFL slate. And then the biggest story here locally, it's got to be the James Madison Dukes. 7-0 on the season, a big win on ESPN last night over Marshall. Dave Riggert, the voice of the JMU Dukes, will join the show at 2.30. But right now... On the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, you hear him right here on 910 The Fan. After me, alongside Grant Polson, it's our buddy Danny Ruye. What's going on, funny Danny? I am very well, my friend. How are you? Yep, it's not a good segment with you unless you uh, let the listeners know that Awad picked the Giants to win the division. Why did I do that, Danny? I, I, I think it is uh, a desperation to appear intelligent. Uh, a contrarian sports take, when it comes to fruition, feels awesome. Uh, and you just hope people forget about it or you don't get old takes exposed to it, as I have many times over, uh, when you do that sort of thing. Like, I think I picked Green Bay to win the NFC North, uh, and I thought Detroit was fraudulent here there with a chance to go 6-1. and one. So yeah, I mean, it happens to the best of us. It also happens to guys like us, too. So who did you pick? You're all high and mighty here. Who did you pick to win the NFC East? Uh, I said Philadelphia, and it was very boring uh, <laughs> type fashion. This is a group that's expertly assembled with a, you know, a guy that was an MVP candidate at, at quarterback, uh, you know, still on a very affordable portion of his deal. So I know that's not very sexy, not very exciting, for you know, but it's rare in this division that doesn't really have back-to-back winners for the first time, I think, since you were like, four or five years old. So uh, that was, I don't know if it was going on a limb, but I saw a couple of flaws, I think, in, in terms of Dallas. But, you know, listen, it, the division's certainly not won just yet. It's Philadelphia has shown some weakness, a couple of chinks in the armor. And uh, I know Dallas has gotten a couple bad losses on their ledger, but I still think that team is capable. I'll be, I'll be fascinated how it plays out over the next couple of months. Yeah, I, I thought the trend was every year a new team wins the <laughs> NFC East. It, it turns out the trend is every 20 years the Eagles win it back-to-back years as McNabb did it in 2003. So, Danny, what would you say is your pathway to success for the Commanders this Sunday against the Giants? So let the Giants screw up. Let them do it. They, they are desperate to do it. They are bad in almost every aspect of a football team that you can be bad. They're banged up. They're hurt. This should be an opportunity for a, a much vaunted, frankly, I think overrated defense uh, that's very full of itself, that loves its, um, you know, that, to point out a number of first-rounders and money spent and allocation of resources and the like in their track record, which admittedly has been pretty good over the last three years, not this year really, uh, to feast. This should be the time you get your numbers. This should be that moment where you're looking at a two, two-and-a-half sack game for somebody. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, John Allen, uh, Deron Payne, who had a breakout year last year. This should be a feast-type game. Load up on the run, try to stop Saquon Barkley early, and get yourself into those you know, second-and-longs, those third-long-type situations where, again, this defensive line, if they're any good at all, should be absolutely feasting. On the other side of the football, this giant team will, will you know, if you – screw up enough times, like commit enough penalties, get bad down in distance yourself, and you know try to do too much potentially, maybe a, you know, a sack fumble of Sam Howe. It hadn't mattered 
uh, AWOD, what, what teams have done before playing Washington, they've all gotten their sack numbers, it, whether it was Atlanta, Chicago. Denver's been a pedestrian pass rushing team outside of that game against Washington. We know what Buffalo did to them. Arizona dominated in that regard. And remember, there was a sack fumble for a touchdown in week number one. You don't let them do that to you, you beat the Giants. But if you get into a, a rock fight where everybody's trying to outscrew up the other, you could absolutely lose this, this NFC still. Danny, Han Solo Dotson, Jahan Dotson, lots has been made about him kind of disappearing this season, a few drop balls. I'm fine with it because of the fact that Curtis Samuel has stepped up in a major way. So I'm not fine with it. I, I smell what you're cooking there. I, I know what you're saying, and, and I like what Samuel's done. So you and I had a discussion before the season about Samuel. It looks like I was wrong about his role. I thought he was going to just be moved down the pecking order in favor of Dotson. That hasn't been the case. A guy with one target and zero catches, as you mentioned, he dropped one uh, in the previous game against Atlanta. It was a bad drop. All of a sudden, a first-round pick from last year that showed some incredible signs. I mean, listen, when he was out with that hamstring and then first working his way back for a couple weeks afterwards, he was sort of an afterthought. Down the stretch, they showed you what they thought of Jahan Dotson, right? You're talking seven, eight, nine, double-digit targets down the stretch as Curtis Samuel's usage went down. So I'm thinking, okay, that's what they're going to do to start the season. You saw it again at the beginning of this year. He was getting a lot of targets. The production wasn't there. Now he's kind of an afterthought. He's putting up Dax Milne, Byron Pringle uh, type stat lines, which is not okay. Again, for last year's first round pick, this year's first round pick can't get on the field uh, as, as of last week. And the second round pick they trusted for seven snaps uh, on, on defense over the course of the entire season. So that's not all of a sudden too much of a feather in the cap of this administration, Ron Rivera and the Marty party etc. But to me, you're better if Jahan Dotson is doing Jahan Dotson things. An offense that's pedestrian. If you're in a top five group, I don't get to say peep. I don't care how you're doing it. Spread the wealth. You can throw it to Logan Thomas if you want to. You can you know, do double reverse handoffs and make sure everybody's eating. When you're in the 20s in most metrics, which is what they are in terms of yards per play, points scored, uh, passing uh, net yards per attempt in terms of offense, and Jahan Dotson's not getting any looks. No, he's not converting. And part of that's on him, obviously, to play better and get more open, get some separation. But this needs to be the, the homework and the project here of Eric Bieniemy and company to get their first-round pick from last year going. He showed a ton of promise. That wasn't imaginary. Whatever's happening right now is not particularly good. They have to get him going. Danny, speaking of the offense, why do you think Cole Turner has dropped off? I think I don't think he's a particularly good blocker, and, and that's not who he is, right? The reason he fell uh, in the draft a little bit as a sort of glorified big receiver is that maybe not his strength, and it's a little bit too much of a tell while he you know, comes into the game. Defenses know, okay, that's, you know, this, this is not an inline blocker. This is now a passing situation, et cetera, and they like Logan Thomas more than I do. Logan Thomas, as a person, is a fantastic dude. He's a leader. I get why you want to keep him around. I still think he's terribly dynamic as a tight end, but they like that option for their power running game a little bit more than they like having Cole Turner on the football field, I think. That's my best guess at that one, because I'm with you. That guy's too talented, I think, as a pass catcher to be squandering. It seems like that's kind of a theme, huh? Yeah, yeah, don't like it. Danny Rie with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media, at Funny Danny. <laughs> Last year, Week 5 was the get-right game for the defense. They stopped the Bears. This year, I'm hoping we'll look back and say Week 6 against Atlanta was the get-right game with three turnovers. But should I be concerned the fact they still gave up 400 total yards offense to not a good Falcons team? Yes. That's the simple answer. Yes, it's still concerning. There were positive signs. Actually, you mentioned the three turnovers, right? That happened. They're, right now, for Washington's defense, they can stop you. They can do something about what you'd like to do on offense if your most dynamic player is a running back. 
they do not have answers for number one wide receivers. I like Drake London fine, but he's not A.J. Brown. He's not Stephon Diggs. He's not one of the, the, the top players in the league. And they couldn't stop that dude. They could not contain Drake London with their you know, cadre of corners and uh, members of the secondary. That was a really concerning development there. If it wasn't for the fact that Des- Desmond Ritter, frankly, is not a terribly good passer, they'd probably lose that game. Uh, last week with the yardage they gave up and getting out possessed by, you know, I think it was almost 14 minutes uh, over the course of that game. There's not much positive other than those turnovers for this defense. I'm hoping it was the beginning of something, the beginning of a bit of a turnaround. But, I, you know, listen, is it right to be concerned? Absolutely. They have a track record, though, of doing this. Remember, if you go back each of the last couple of seasons, as you pointed out, they've gotten off to bad starts defensively, something you know, uh, would change whether it was moving Landon Collins out of the deep safety position into kind of a, you know, glorified uh, hybrid safety linebacker, moving on from William Jackson, whatever it's been, they've made adjustments and have gotten better. I'm hoping last week was the start of that. But the question is, is it okay to be concerned? Absolutely. I kind of think the Giants offense is going to move the ball in typical Jack Del Rio defense. It will be bend but don't break, and the Giants will settle for a ton of field goals. What is your score prediction for this weekend? I think it is a disgusting, muddy rock fight. I've got Washington 19, the Giants 18. I think there's something <laughs> weird that happens. I don't. I don't. I think we'll have more questions than answers come Monday morning. I do feel like Washington finally kind of lifts that little bit of a mini curse that's been going on up there, where they don't really seem to play well. They'll end up on the good side, but I think we'll have more questions than answers come Monday. Danny, my official prediction for Giants against the Commanders. You're going to have to keep listening to AWOD Radio. How about that tease? <laughs> Dude, put it on the clinic right there. I actually really wanted to hear it. That was awesome. <laughs> I'll talk to you again next week, man. Talk to you about it. See ya. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders. Every game can be heard here at Odyssey Richmond on the Odyssey app. You can hear us on the go or 910 The Fan AM 105.1 FM with a full two-hour pregame show and a two-hour postgame show. And this week, the Commanders are up in New York to face off against the Giants. Two games last year that the Commanders blew, and that's why they didn't get into the postseason. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's our buddy Sean Mirage from WFAN in New York. What's going on, Sean? From AWOD to tightwads. What's up, bro? <laughs> Dude, I picked the Giants to win the division at the start of the season, and now I'm taking all the heat for that bad take. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, they weren't ready to win the division. I thought they would compete a lot more than this, and they probably would have if they didn't get severely banged up on opening night in Dallas. But, yeah, this has been a, a season off the rails, Adam, and I will say this. I never want to hear from you or any other commander fan if you don't find a way to win this game Sunday. <laughs> well, let's just start re- right there. Do you have any update on the status of Daniel Jones? Uh, the last I checked in, and about five minutes ago, uh, our good friend Tiki Barber is doing the show today, our show, our afternoon show, from the Giants facilities. He's on the call of the game. Um, the belief is Daniel Jones probably isn't playing. Is there a chance he wakes up tomorrow and the doctors go, yeah, he's cleared for contact. He threw a bunch of practice this week. Sure. But I find it highly doubtful. And I would wager to guess, and this is my own personal belief, the Giants don't want him going out there and taking another hit until their left tackle, Andrew Thomas, who got hurt in the first quarter of game number one, is back. All right, each week I take Commanders fans behind Bienemy lines to find out how the opposition plans to defend no, Coach Eric Bienemy's high-powered offense. And this week it's in New York. No. 
with Sean Marash from the Evan and Tiki Show. All right, hey, Watt Army members. It's time to go on a mission. A secret mission behind enemy lines. We scout out the opponent, break down the competition with intel and reporting from the inside. How is the competition planning to stop Eric the Enemy's high-powered offense? As we oh go behind <laughs> the enemy lines. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we, oh we got a good production team here in Richmond. <laughs> so that production is awesome, and I am a sucker for a pun. That being said, do you guys not realize your offense also sucks, or is that just me? <laughs> our offense sucks because our quarterback holds on to the ball too long, but we he can throw. That's, your that's quarterback can no. only run in a straight line. <laughs> well, first of all, Daniel Jones is much better than Sam Howell, but touche, touche. Um, yeah, I think the, how you defend behind the enemy lines – Look, the Giants have the least amount of sacks in the NFL. So if they are going to beat the Washington Commanders, they can't have the least amount of sacks in the NFL again this week. They have five sacks in the year, four of which are from Kayvon Thibodeau. Their best pass rusher, I would argue, is Aziz Ojolari. He's on injured reserve. This has to be Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau wrecking the game a little bit. But I will say this. Part of the reason the Giants played so well versus Buffalo defensively, and it was their first real complete game, is that first-round pick Deontay Banks, a Maryland guy, has really come along strong. I mean, some might argue he's actually got like the best coverage rates of any rookie corner in the NFL. And Cordell Flott, a third-rounder last year, has come along in the nickel, which I think is going to help, especially the way Washington likes to use their nickel. Uh, and because of that, Wink Martindale, man, he is trusting those young guys on the back end, which is allowing them to stick with more man coverage and bring some blitz. I think they're going to try to just harass Sam Howell this entire game. And I actually expect the Giants defense to put up a big effort here. I don't think Washington can get north of 20 in this game. I kind of think it's going to be low scoring, too. How's that secondary for the Giants? Because I do have Washington's game plan being to target Terry McLaurin early and often. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's probably becoming the Giants' strength of the team. Uh, Dory Jackson had to start the year as a slot corner, which he's not. He's a veteran outside corner because the Giants' depth was brutal. But as I mentioned, Cordell Flott, their last year's third-round pick, they wanted to come along, had a bad camp. He has now retaken that slot role the last two weeks and has done a phenomenal job. Uh, including a huge bass breakup versus Buffalo last week, and bumping a Dory back to the outside and the emergence of what Deontay Banks has become as a first-rounder. Shockingly, the Giants might have actually hit on a first-rounder. They have, I mean, dare I say, a burgeoning three stud corners with Xavier McKinney playing some hell of a safety. So, uh, again, though, if, if the Giants can't get to Sam Howell and he could sit there and hold on to the ball, but the Giants don't actually get there, which is a common theme, you know, not every secondary can hold on that long. So uh, the Giants' strength is going to be that secondary. It's a matter of if they get home on how. Sean, what, what, what work do you do for the Giants? I saw you promoting the trash mirage thing. What kind of bit do you got going on there? <laughs> I am doing well. If any of your Commander fans are taking a trip up, there's a bar Reds outside of MetLife Stadium that's doing a tailgate, and you could throw trash at me, more trash at more. <laughs> this, uh, we're doing a big WFAN tailgate, our New York station up here, and I'll be there. But, uh, yeah. That's where that's where I'll be. I'm doing a big, big old thing here ahead of Giants Commanders. All right, so it's Giants Commanders this Sunday. We're going behind the enemy lines right now with Sean Rash from WFAN. Uh, red zone. For the Commanders, they've been much improved in the red zone. I think part of that is Sam Howell's ability to run. He's also got a stronger arm than Taylor Heineke. It's how he had that bullet pass to Jahan Dotson to mm-hmm. tie the Eagles late. You guys have had some big red zone issues, especially last big week. Big red zone issues. 
Yeah. They haven't scored. The Giants have not scored an offensive touchdown at home all season. <laughs> if they get in the end zone, it'll be the first time. Yeah, the Giants have struggled mightily. And you saw the way uh, even Terod Taylor was completely lost at the goal line uh, to end the half last week. Now, the Giants uh, just went basically a whole month without Saquon Barkley. He's a big part of what they do in the red zone. He was a factor last week. He will be a factor this week. But honestly, it's been Darren Waller cannot catch a ball in the red zone. Everything's either a drop or a pass breakup. I, I, I'd like to put a, put a positive spin on things, but this is why I said, you know, it gets to the point where it's a little embarrassing time after time. you got to convert, and the Giants have yet to prove they can convert, and they're likely going to have their backup quarterback out there who looked like a, an absolute mess in the red zone a week ago. So they have some big play weapons like Jalen Hyatt. I kind of think if the Giants are going to score touchdowns in this game, it's going to come from outside the red zone and making some big plays against your fraudulent secondary. What's it going to take for the Giants to win this game? It seems like you're going with, hey, if we dominate the line of scrimmage, we could win an ugly defensive game. It's it's dominate the line of scrimmage and get one or two big plays deep, whether it's Jalen Hyatt running free, Wondell Robinson, something like that. Um, If this is a move-the-chains game and the Giants are stifling, they're going to kick a lot of field goals uh, and probably come out and lose in. Washington will find a way to score a touchdown or two in this game. It's not like the Giants are the 85 Bears defense. They've just... They've come a long way. I, I honestly predict that this game in, ends up being somewhere in like the 20 to 17 range. And I kind of think your guys are going to kick a field goal at the gun and once and for all bury the Giants season. I, I love to hear that, man. I, I don't like how you, you're not very high on Sam Howe. Are you just reading all the headlines that say he's taking no, too many sacks? Actually, believe me, I've bet way too many commander games. I've seen every Sam Howell snap this year. Uh, I'm intrigued by Sam Howell, but take it from somebody who's tried to pump up a lot of mediocre quarterback play here and believe as a fan the last couple of years. Uh, Sam Howell's not going to be an elite quarterback in the league. But it doesn't mean you can't win with those guys. Um, I, I think I've seen more good than bad. I just I am not fearful as a Giant fan that suddenly Washington has this awesome quarterback for the next decade. So what's the answer then in New York? Because you have the same issue with Daniel Jones, and you paid Tank, him, baby. Tank, you beat us, you bury us. Let's go, let's go win two games and find our way to Caleb or Drake May. That's the answer. So you think somebody will trade for Daniel Jones, though, or are you just eating up all that money? No. It's first of all, it's actually not that much money. After next year, it's pretty minimal cap hit to get out from his cap. That's like the big myth about the Giant Daniel Jones contract. It's basically a two-year deal. So we're already one-year deal into this. And also, by the way, his neck injury is a big, you know, two neck injuries in three years. His contract's extremely cuttable after next year. They're going to have to eat a little money in year three, and it's basically no money in year four. So they put this contract in place where, ooh, $40 million. Well, he's paid like the 12th highest-paid quarterback in the, in the league, and you're not stuck to him beyond two years. So it's actually a very favorable contract. Ultimately, it's this. the commander's winning this game. I'm sorry to tell you, Adam, that might force the Giants into tank mode. You could actually make a case that Commanders winning this game sends the Giants towards that franchise quarterback that ends up ruining the Commanders for the next 15 years. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll take the win and get above 500. That's fine with me, there, man. There, there you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, man. Good stuff as always. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. Yep, Later. that is Sean Marash. Of course, he is from the Evan and Tiki Show on WFAN. He's a great radio host and so always has some fun, funny takes on social media. Love getting his take on the G-Man. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back.